Hi, this is Jamin Fraser, and you're listening to The Insecurity Project, solving the insecurity problem at a global level. This podcast is a mixture of interviews, coaching sessions, and personal development content. You'll hear me chat with experts, authors, speakers, and individuals who've gone on to do great things in their life as a result of working through their insecurity. You'll hear brave souls being willing to have a live coaching demonstration recorded where they work through their insecurity. And you'll hear 10 Minute Tuesday, which is a chance for me to deliver high quality personal development content to help you on your journey. I hope you find it useful. Now on to today's show. Hey folks, it's Jamin here. You're on the Insecurity Project and I have the great pleasure of interviewing Melanie Middeggs. Now, I met Melanie by uh, a few years ago. She put out a call to be on her podcast and I thought, wow, she's doing some amazing stuff. It's called the Soul Lounge for Entrepreneurs. It just resonated with what she was doing. And uh, so we've become friends and it's a great privilege to be able to interview her now and tell you about some of the cool things that she's doing. So Mel's a business mentor, web designer, and creator of the business Chakra System. She's based in Bali, Indonesia. She's an Australian, but uh, doing the globetrotting thing and positioning herself locationally independent, which is really exciting and uh, the way of the future. I've had a dabble at that myself when I was in Germany. Uh, So, Mel, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you, Jamin. And it's great to, to have this opportunity to be interviewed by you. And um, in fact, I do think when you came on my podcast, you were actually in Germany. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the insecurity project, it's all about solving the insecurity problem. And uh, it's, a, it's a big deal. It's, it's not a problem that I think many people are tackling. Often I find people are dealing with that, that problem, but at a higher uh, higher surface level. So where it manifests in the health of the finances of the relationship. Uh, but I'm really keen to bring awareness to the fact that the driver is insecurity. So I really appreciate being able to talk to you about your own journey through insecurity and how you understand that in your own life and obviously getting to work with other people. So um, as is the pattern, I'd love to understand where you started and the impact your parents had on you at a young age in terms of building your sense of self. And yeah, fascinated if they did a good job, if they did a poor job, if they were really deliberate about that or just kind of the impact they had on you and how it uh, yeah, how it hit the ground in terms of your self-esteem and sense of self. Mm, that's a really good question and place to start. Um, yeah, I think when I think back to my childhood, I think my parents did a pretty good job actually. Um, I actually had really young parents uh, as I was growing up. So I think they they did the best they could to really give me the freedom to be who I wanted to be. I never really felt any pressure to, um, you know, fit in a box or, or live my life a certain way or, you know, you know those questions like what do you want to be when you grow up? I didn't feel a lot of pressure around having that all clear okay. um, as, a, as a young kid and even into my adulthood. And in fact, um, both my parents are quite entrepreneurial as well. And like my mum, she was still working in the nine to five, but she, she would do whatever she had to do to make sure that uh, we had great opportunities. So she would run markets on the weekend to, you know, get in extra money to help pay for things that we wanted to do, including me going on exchange to Sweden when I was 16 for a year. Oh, wow. 
and uh, which was amazing. Like I still think that that was, yeah, I think that was, that really was the um, pivotal moment, I think, for my life path (laughs) going on that exchange program. But uh, Well, I'll ask you more about that in a minute. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Keep, Keep talking. Okay. Um, and then my dad, he uh, ran his own business. So he also was working in the nine to five, but he then became um, a photographer and started his own business as well. So I've seen both my parents really step out of their comfort zones and kind of do what they had to do to sort of, um, I don't know, reach their dreams and, and follow, you know, follow their love and their passion for what, what really lit them up, you know. Yeah, right. Um, at the same time, you know, my both of sides of my family actually come from Latvia and I'm only second generation Australian. And so I do also feel like there was this uh, lack of confidence or lack of identity from having a family history that had to flee from the country in war. I think that yeah, has yeah. a big part to do with that, that self-identity personal identity and having the confidence to just be who you are because um, even my parents and obviously my grandparents, they, you know, had to deal with all sorts of kind of, um, I don't know what you'd call it, I guess you'd call it racism or whatever, you know, coming to a new country and having to deal with new, you know, fitting into a new culture and all those sorts of things. Yeah, boy. Do you have any siblings? Mm. Um, Yeah, I've got a younger brother, uh, Ray, who's three years younger than me. Um, but we're very different. We, we totally get on like we're really, really close, but we're totally different people at the same time as well. <laughs> yeah, sure. Do you ever reflect on, you know, birth order, the fact that you are, you were the firstborn, um, do you reflect on the, the impact that had on you as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think <laughs> I do. It's like, you know, there's been different periods of my, during my life where, you know I've had to be the leader because I've been the oldest and it's funny like lately it's kind of swapped around a little bit at times which has been nice and then it's come back again so it's kind of yeah I think that definitely plays out in terms of um, insecurity but also building your confidence at the same time yeah for sure Mm. okay so you moved to Sweden so you what Mm. you were 16 years old is that right yeah, yeah. For a full year. Yeah, it was still lights me up when I think about it. Because <laughs> I actually uh, grew up in Canberra, uh, down near where you are. And yeah. um, uh, I remember sitting in this, you know, we went to assembly. I was at um, Canberra High. And, um, yeah, I was sitting at assembly and this lady came to talk to us about exchange. And I was like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. And I turned to my friend and I was like, let's go to Sweden. Like it was like the most furthest place I could think of. I don't even know why it popped into my head (laughs) to think Sweden. But, um, yeah, I just remember that moment. I went home and I asked my mum and dad and (laughs) they were a bit like, what? (laughs) But, you know, I think my mum definitely just, she's always supported everything that I come up with. So yeah. she kind of helped get my dad around the idea and uh, we went through the whole application process and I took off to Sweden for a year. Um, and it really was the thing that opened my eyes and my heart to the world around us. Like 
<clears throat> you know, coming from a place like Canberra where it's very, it's a planned city, you know, still beautiful place to grow up because, you know, we were riding bikes and you know, yeah. doing lots of family-orientated stuff. But I think I was getting to that point where I was just like, what am I going to do? Like, is there more to life than this? I wasn't feeling very excited um, in that time of my life. And also when I went to Sweden, I managed to get into an art school just by chance. Like it, it was just the way the cards were dealt. And so I really got to cultivate my creativity when I was over there too, which I think was a huge impact on, um, you know, yeah, the way the rest of my life journey would sort of pan out. Yeah, well, so, I mean, as a 16-year-old diving into a new culture, moving away from everyone you know, friends, family, um, how did insecurity play out for you at that stage? Like, I, I had friends that, I, I mean, I went to the same school for the whole time. I grew up in one town, you know, so I had friends that started in kindergarten and finished year 12 with me, and that sense of security, getting to know people and um there was some safety in that. And I watched kids that would, you know, move to Goulburn and then move away from Goulburn. And the kids that kind of came in, it was always interesting watching how they would try and fit in. And mm. especially the kids that had traveled around a lot because often they were really, you know, unsure of themselves and desperate to be liked. And they just, often they'd overcompensate um, and try too hard to fit in and it never kind of worked out. So, you know, mm. I imagine it must've been an interesting experience at that age cutting off everything you knew and everyone you knew and right here I am um what, what was that like in terms of your well, own beliefs about yourself yeah actually it kind of was a, a flip for me because at school in my circle of friends I was you know I wasn't a cool kid I wasn't a, a nerd either I was sort of somewhere in between just floating along yeah and um I saw the opportunity to actually be myself because I kind of would play out that people pleaser a lot. Like I would always be the good girl and, and you know, all that sort of stuff. So with the opportunity of going overseas for 12 months, I remember really clearly thinking I can be whoever I want to be for the next 12 months because I'm leaving as well. It was like an opportunity for me to test the boundaries on a few different things. Yeah. Um, and so to me, it was, ex it was exciting from that point of view because I didn't feel it was like my life at school at that point in time. If I was to start changing and to start being a different person, that felt more uncomfortable than actually <laughs> going halfway across the world to a place I didn't know and just sort of starting again, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah, wow. Well. Mm. Okay. Incredible. Um, so have there been times in your life where you think insecurity has limited you? Sorry, that broke up just a little bit. Can you ask that again? Oh, have there been times in your life where you think insecurity has limited you? Oh, yeah. Insecurity has limited me plenty of times in my life. In fact, um, probably the first real uh, breaking point with insecurity was um, around the age of 28, 29. And right. uh, it was like... I was just leading such a false life of myself because I had become such a people pleaser. And um, I was really starting to question like, who, I, who am I and why am I behaving in certain ways? And, um, you know, I was attracting bad relationships into my life and 
my job wasn't great and all of these things. And in the end, I kind of just really hit the bottom of the barrel. And it was, it was the first time that I realized, well, actually at the time I didn't realize it had anything to do with insecurity or low self-worth, but that's actually what it was. Yeah. Um, And I think, and that was a turning point for me in terms of, um, again, changing direction. So maybe there's like a a bit of a patterning, you know, of when life is getting boring or life becomes really hard or it's not giving you what you want back, it it is the time to reflect and go, how am I actually showing up for myself here? Um, I've just sort of made that connection just through talking to you right now. Because when... I when I hit that rock bottom again what I did was I actually um I decided to leave Sydney I was living in Sydney at that point in time and I was like I've had enough and so I decided to move to Brisbane but I went via Spain and Portugal for three months as you do (laughs) on my last my last trip yeah whatever and um you know to really try and find myself and find out who I was and I think to be honest, the last 10 years, because I'm just about to turn 40 now, so that was just before I turned 30, um, has really been a journey and a process of understanding who I am yeah. and releasing those insecurities and being comfortable in my own skin and having the confidence to just to go for it and, and believe in myself. Yeah, I mean, and that's, and that's the, the purpose of this whole project. It's helping people do that very thing because... Um, it's this insecurity is this massive handbrake inside of us that becomes the limiter of, you know, who we really are. And so the process of finding yourself becomes the goal and the dream, but I'm, I'm not sure that many people really work out how to do it. And yeah, it's like the handbrake gets welded on and they just keep, then they just keep driving their car with the brake on because that just becomes normal. Yeah. Probably what I would say to that is, look for the things that make you feel vulnerable then. Cause when I think of it, like I've always been fairly courageous and I do love travel. So like it's no big deal for me to pack my bags and go somewhere like, and people go, Oh my God, I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, that's like second nature almost. Yeah, sure. But it's the, it's the willingness and the vulnerability to actually look at the stuff that scares you. I feel that, releases that insecurity and you know I I teach the business chakra system I'm I'm really I've trained in psychosomatic therapy which is the mind body uh, emotional connection and to look at your emotions and to look at how it's all connected can be a really uh, vulnerable space to go and it can even hurt to go there but I think you know, whatever passes you by and if you're inquisitive about something and even though you might feel resistance or feel nervous within yourself before going there, I think that is a telltale sign and that's the thing that's going to help you get through it. I, yeah, I love that you said that. I, I really agree. Uh, you know, in, in when, I, when I think about the process of, of dealing with this really well, I think that is definitely one of the key observations. So I agree that at some point, you're going to have to go face the thing that that scares you. So yeah, there, there's going to be massive vulnerability and this kind of, I, I, I like the hero's journey as a metaphor to describe it. There's yeah. this place where you're just like, man, this is the hardest thing in the world and I'm going to run towards it, not away from it. 
Yeah. Because I get this sense that the only way out is through. And so I'll either die or I'll, or I'll come out (laughs) the other side as the hero. Yeah. I actually, I normally say too, it's like from the darkest night comes the brightest light. Like there have been, there have been plenty of times where it's just like, holy max, you know, feeling good within what I'm doing and, you know, feeling on purpose, but still going through those really tough times. But knowing that if you're willing to see the reflection and open your awareness and learn from the situation, that everything will actually be okay on the other side. Like it it always is okay on the other side. (laughs) It is always okay. (laughs) But it's so hard because those words don't actually mean anything to you while you're going through it. Like the only way to work it that's true is to find that out for yourself. No one totally. telling you it's going to be okay seems to make it okay. Or Although saying that, the more, the more of these times I go through, because I've been through plenty, I do trust the process a little bit more now. But I, oh, I hear yes, exactly what you're saying. For sure. Yeah. But for someone who's, who's yeah. not done that even once, having someone else say, oh, yeah. you'll be okay, you'll get through this. It's just like, but it doesn't feel like that's true at all. It feels like I'm going to die. Yes. It's the worst yes. thing in the world. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like um, you know, my daughter had, had started high school and had to get the needles that young girls have to get at the start of school. And she just had this massive fear around those needles. And oh, they balked at school. And so then I had to make an appointment at the local health center to get her there. And, uh, you know, she heated the library when I came to pick her up. And, and like, she's, a, she's a brave girl. She horse rides. She falls off horses. She, like, she's just a confident kid. But needles, it's just like, this is going to kill me. I'm actually going to die here. And so the conversation yeah. down to the clinic, it's just like, this is actually going to happen. And it's like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. And just the pain and anger and, fear and frustration of going through that process and no matter what I'm saying to her you're actually going to be okay it's not actually going to hurt it's not making any difference yeah Uh, it's just and then in the end I have to resort to the the role of parents like well I'm going to have to make you do something you don't want to do so (laughs) I'm literally going to restrain you I said to the nurses oh god I can imagine how much violence is <laughs> I said, oh, you hold her. You sit on her. We'll jab her. No problems. It's <laughs> so like, oh, fantastic. That's great. Those screams could be heard for miles. And the, oh, moment, the moment she got jabbed, like she didn't even notice the needle going in. She was in that much of hysterics. And, and then yes. it, it's actually, we're done. We're, oh, oh, we're done. Oh, that was it. Oh, <laughs> you're right. I was going to, like, oh, how about that? That's amazing. You know, and so... I think that is exactly the same process in dealing with these monsters oh. we create in our mind around the fear of not being good enough. Oh. The only yeah. way of, ex- of discovering that they're not actually a monster and you're going to be okay is to face it. And I know. And it, but it's, you know what makes it difficult too is and usually there's other people involved. Like, <clears throat> you know, I've had, to, I've had to let go of so many uh, different relationships in my life to really become the person who I who I know I am, you know, and that can be such a difficult thing, uh, you know, whether it's friendships or you know lovers or you know whatever. When when the discord happens because you have the realization of what you really want, yeah. and then having to have those hard conversations and making those hard decisions, like 
I always believe there's a silver lining when you really speak your truth, even though it hurts. Um, but I think that is also another sort of attribute of this, you know, oh, it's just easier if I, if life's easier if I just keep it the same, even though I'm not happy. You know? Well, entirely true. And, and I think that's another key aspect of the hero's journey metaphor um, because people in our world often become gatekeepers. Mm. So, and our change threatens them. And, and so then they keep us where we are and keep things in, in the status quo, even if it's not healthy or dysfunctional. And so at some point to actually be the hero in the story, you have to um, break through the gatekeepers. And so, yeah, do you know what? Absolutely. I'm actually, I actually am going to honor what I have inside me and I'm not going to allow you to stop me moving forward, which is probably one of the hardest things you'd ever have to do. Um, but beautifully on the other side of gatekeepers is always companions. So yeah. the, the thought is if you break out of this relationship, you will be alone and, and lonely and isolated for the rest of your life. But it doesn't turn out that that's true. You then, as you keep growing, then you attract better quality people into your life and people who do understand you and um, the process keeps rolling on. Absolutely. Uh, you find well your tribe. You do find your tribe. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it starts with this commitment to be the hero in the story and, uh, and almost shut the door behind you. I, I think there's something that, that happens when you are all in and you go, okay, well, as hard as this is, it's actually no easier turning around and going home. I've yeah. come this far that I'm, I'm in. So, okay, whatever it takes now, however it's going to, um, whatever it's going to cost me, um, I, don't, I don't ease the pain by giving up now. Uh, yeah. So, right, let's keep moving forward. That's it. And that's really related to, just to bring it to the chakra system a little bit, is your solar plexus chakra, which is... Uh, just below your heart and just below uh, above your belly button. Okay. And um, I was actually just teaching about this yesterday. And the solar plexus um, energy is your personal identity. And I always really um, connect the lion to personal identity. So the strength of like a lion. Like when you think of a lion, he's like the top of the chain almost. And, you yes, know, he sure. just has that presence about him. And I think when you make those decisions of what is right for you and allowing yourself to let go of things and opening the door for new things to come in for yourself. It's really like having that presence of the line and um, that strength within yourself and the power, not from a defensive point of view, but just from speaking your truth. Uh, all possibilities open once you access that energy within yourself. Yeah, that's, that's really amazing. I really like that. Mm. Mm. Okay, so, I mean, are there rituals and practices and things that you, you routinely do as a way of staying at your best and, and staying free from insecurity? You know, because I think it's not, it's never a one-off process. The, the more you grow as a person and the more you expose yourself to new learnings and more uncertainty and then, um, you know, different areas of insecurity arise because there's new opportunities to fail. And, and so what, yeah, what do you do to stay sharp and keep working on this stuff in your life? Yeah. So for me, um, most definitely it just keeps coming up for anyone listening. Like just don't ever think that it's never going to keep arising. Cause I think it always does. I've found, um, I've kind of found my footing in the business world in terms of, you know, I do things like make sure I meditate. I've, I've put myself in a really positive state at the beginning of the day 
I listen to a lot of um, Abraham Hicks actually in the shower when I'm showering. Yeah, right. Um, and I also do things like I walk my dogs every morning. So I just make sure that I instead of because I remember there was a time where I'd wake up and I'd be like, oh my god, it's another day. I have to get through this. You know, like it was just really, really heavy. So I just always make sure that I, I get myself off to a really good start and bring joy into my morning. Mm. However, that that shows up. That seems to um, be a really important pattern. The the start of the day. Yeah. Uh, well, it sets you up, right? Yeah, I read an article the other day that said even if the only thing you commit to is making your bed um, as, as the first thing you do, if that's all you got energy for, if that's the only thing you could possibly do as a morning ritual, you still start the day with a win. You still start yeah. the day having achieved something that no one can take from you. Yes, <laughs> you know? and exactly. So, and then one win leads to the next win and just slowly changes your state. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, so the meditation stuff that you spoke of, like I, I talk to people about meditation all the time and it's, it's such a, a big word and an often an abstract mm. word. And I think a lot of people are unsure they're doing it right. Um, so yeah. when you say meditation, what does that mean for you mm. and how do you do that? Well, it changes actually. And I'm glad you've asked because I, I struggle to uh, just meditate silently for like 20 minutes or even, you know, half an hour. Um, there are times in my life where that does feel like the right thing to do and it's usually if I've gone to, say, like a meditation class or I've gone to a retreat of some kind and it's kind of kick-started that process for me. Yeah. Uh, but to do that on your own is really, really difficult. So um, I do meditation either by listening to meditation, like a recorded meditation, but what I find so much more beneficial is active meditation. So like my meditation of listening, say to some positive uh, music or positive podcasts while in the shower to me is still a meditation because I'm, you know, doing this routine of actually listening something and just stop thinking about everything for a moment, you know, Um, even walking meditation. So when I walk my dogs, like, I'm walking, but I'm in silence. I'm not with anybody, but I'm just sort of meditating from that point of view. So I'm a real advocate for actually movement, uh, particularly if, you know, you do find silent meditation is really difficult. But movement on your own and being mindful of the intention behind what you're actually doing. It's really interesting you say that because I've never heard it described like that. I love to run. Running is very good for my soul. Um, and now mm-hmm. that you say it like that, running is actually meditative for me because mm-hmm. um, I like to push myself hard when I run and I love to just, like I, I'm in tune with my body, like I'm not listening to music, so I'm hearing the, the, the pattern of my feet pounding the ground, I'm, I'm feeling my heart, I'm present uh, you know, with oxygen and blood pumping through my body and it's, there's no room for any other thoughts. So I'm kind yeah. of, I'm at one with the process of running and on myself and I find it very therapeutic and very enjoyable and hadn't really considered that it was necessarily a form of meditation, but now that yeah, you describe it, I think absolutely. that's exactly what it is. And swimming laps used to be that for me as well. I mean, you're yeah. just breathing and you're just going back and forth like in a pool. Yeah. You know, it's just, a, you know, if you, yeah, it's just a really good way to just, as you say, get in tune with your body because I think that's really what meditation is all about as well is like feeling what your body's feeling and yes. connecting yeah, to it. And, and yeah. I think as you say, 
the, the value of quietening your mind of being still because the chatter that goes on uh, often isn't productive and, and often drives the insecurity because it's around a bunch of negativity. Like the, the patterns around self-talk are more often negative than positive. So, yes. you know, I love Eckhart Tolle's idea that says, you are not your thoughts. So can we just make mm. that clear? So anything that's going to help you step out of your own thinking and be external to your own thinking, go, oh, cool. So my thoughts are not me. My thoughts are suggestions. They're things that come and I don't have to act on them. They don't necessarily describe who I am. They're just some stuff that's going on. And I could just let them continue to flow on and not take notice of them or, or do take notice of them. But the act of stepping outside yourself, however you do it physically, as you describe, which is a great distinction or sitting in silence yes. or any, any meditative practice is very, very useful in separating yourself from, from insecurity stories and thinking. Absolutely. Actually, I've got a funny story about that. Um, because when I got my dogs, I really wanted to train train my dog, uh, Max, and the, I had a trainer come in and he was like, you know, whenever the dog does something you don't want him to do, you don't reprimand him, you just distract him, like get something else and, you know, distract him with a toy or something. And um, and then I thought about it and I was like, oh, I might start trying that myself with my thoughts. And yeah. it really started to work because I remember I was, uh, one day I was just getting into this thing and I was like, no, what the hell? And so I was like, I'm just going to think about chocolate cake. That's all I'm going to think about. <laughs> and I like completely like distracted myself and it really worked to, you know, not because you can really go in a spiral with that stuff and to just let it go and not even think about it, but distract yourself with something crazy or funny or yummy or whatever you want, you know, well, just yeah. stop thinking. Delicious too. Yeah, I just I'll never forget that one time because I was just like, oh, that really works. Cool. (laughs) Cool. Now I think I cut you off. I I honed back to the meditation thing, but were there other things Mm. that you do um, routinely as a way of being healthy and alive and and continuing that process of finding yourself and giving yourself permission to really be at your best? Yeah, I think also. I said at the start, like I'm pretty good in business with my self-confidence and sense of self. Um, but, you know, when it comes to personal relationships, I haven't been. And so I think it's also identifying the areas of your life uh, that you do feel comfortable to be yourself and, the, and then times and the areas where you may not feel like that and starting to explore those a little bit more. And I think there's different rituals that correspond to different areas of your life too. So, um you know, when it comes to relationship stuff, and I'm sure a lot of women and men have this problem. It's like, you know, you want to be yourself, but you get nervous when you're meeting new people and there's an expectation and all of these things kind of playing out and just learning how to be at ease and to take the pressure off yourself and not to run into the future too much. And uh, also being able to express yourself on a real personal level, I think is really important. Um, so in terms of ritual around that, um, I'm definitely exploring more like feminine, divine feminine rituals for myself, like really finding a sisterhood and, and, and groups of women to hang out with to explore that. And I am noticing more that there's a lot of uh, men's groups trying, uh, starting to come out as well. And so even for men, I think, you know, really finding a safe safe group to f- 
where you can explore these things, particularly when it comes to relationships um, and sharing your feelings and then ultimately finding out about those insecurities and how you can better them, I think is a really um, positive way of shifting things. Yeah, that's fantastic. I really like it. Mm. Mm. Uh, are you a reader? Are there, are there books that you've found useful over the years in helping you deal with this stuff? Oh, my God. I've always got, like, 10 books by my name. <laughs> like... I'm the same. I think I might have 15. Always. Actually. Yeah. And, like, I don't read them covered, like, front to back. I just kind of pick one up and find a chapter. I'm like, oh, that's what I need to read today kind of thing. Um, yeah, nice. I've just been into self-help since I can remember. Yeah. Like, honestly, I was never into real, like, fantasy or storytelling. It's always been finding out about yourself. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. I can relate to that too. So anything that sticks out, any any books that you've read recently maybe that you would recommend? I do have one book that I would call my Bible actually yeah. and um, it's called The Body is the Barometer of the Soul. Okay. It's by a lady called um, Annette, Annette Noontill. And I actually got this book uh, from my auntie who's now passed, but luckily I got this book. And it basically um, – it's a book that teaches you like whatever's going on with your body. There's like an emotional aspect to it. Yep. And so I t take it a little bit with a pinch of salt as well. I mean, you know, if you're sick, you're sick kind of thing. But at the same time, I, you know, your body's always reflecting back to you stuff. And when you can understand that belief pattern or that, you know, sense of unwellbeing and, and where that's actually coming from it, I think the awareness allows you to shift it. So you know, even when I go traveling, I still, if I was to take any book, I would take that one just in yeah. case something was going on. Like, so I'd be like, what's happening? <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's my, that would be my number one. Excellent. I, I totally agree. I, I think it makes 100% sense that mind and body are connected and subconscious and mm. conscious are connected. And I, I love the idea of rapport with self, which to me just speaks of an open line of communication so that, you're, you're taking very good care of listening to what's happening. And if there's, I'm always fascinated by, by patterns of pain in my body or whatever. It's like, what for? What's happening? What's going on? And I find that if I am ready and willing to listen, well, there's always um, some intention and then that intention serves me. It's a, it's a loving intention always. It's, a, it's an intention to give me more. So rather than the common perception around pain is bad, mask it, medicate it, squash it, just get away from it. Yes. And, and it's this idea that you have to fight against your body and it's, there's something mm -hmm. bad in you that you need to squash. It's, it's a pretty cruel way of going about life. Exactly, exactly. With the awareness, so much can happen. You know how I was talking about the solar plexus yeah. you know, before in your body? Um, the areas of your body that reflect the solar plexus are like your elbows and your knees and your ankles. Okay. So, you know, if you've ever got anything like that going on, it may just be indicating. It's because those are the joints that allow you to step forward in life. Okay. So, you know, when you've got confidence, you can step forward. So if there's something going on with those areas of your body, right. um, it can be an indicator that something's going on with your, you know, your sense of self. Like either you're <laughs> stepping out of your comfort zone or you're being um, suppressed from actually being able to express yourself in the world as well. And also your nose. So when, um, I always say when people get like sinus or, you know, like a, like a cold, something around their nose, it's usually the same kind of thing. 
is happening as well in terms of stepping out of that comfort zone. That's so fascinating. Um, mm. Although I'm interested in what you said before about taking it with a pinch of salt because, um, like, I, I'm always fascinated by dream interpretation as well because I think when your conscious is shut down, your subconscious is free to play, so dreams have always fascinated me. But I've resisted the kind of classic dream interpretation books that prescribe if you dream about butterfly, that means this. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a line, that means that. Because I think ultimately my own, like my metaphors are my metaphors. So if I I dream about a line, it might be something totally different than if you're dreaming about a line. Yes. So, so I think there can be some real value in, in the general patterns of how this works and the presupposition that you can listen and understand. But, um, but the most important thing is that you check in and listen to your own self because that's where you're going to get the most accurate information rather than relying on, um, you know, someone else's diagnosis. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think um, absolutely. Like you've got to know, and this is, I mean, this is why we're all human beings. This is why we're all individual. Like there's, yeah. we don't fit in a box. However, still being open to learning about these things and just exactly. seeing yep. how it, you know, like, cause sometimes I do have conversations with people because they ask me and I'm like, Oh, this, you know, this is saying this and this. And they're like, nah, and I'm like, have you really thought about it? Like, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes that point of resistance, we don't see that blind spot. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yep. When you're really in it. So, yeah. I don't know, but I'm always one to delve deep. That's just the, that's just the nature of the oh, I'm the same. I'm a curious <laughs> cat. I'd love to know what's yeah. going on. Yeah. <laughs> mm, okay. Uh, such useful stuff, Mel. I really appreciate it. Is there anything we haven't covered, anything else you'd like to say or share that you think might be particularly useful for our listeners around helping them find themselves and eradicate insecurity. Oh, did that just cut out? Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Uh, Saying my internet connection is unstable. That's unfortunate. That's okay. You can hear me now. You would. Yeah. You were just doing the, is there anything left? Great. Let me say that again and I can just cut that out of the recording. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, thanks so much, Mel. This has been really fascinating and very useful. Uh, is there anything we haven't covered? Anything else that you think would be really useful to touch on that's going to help people find themselves and continue the work of eradicating insecurity from their life? Um, I think just be have a willingness to explore. Like, if there is, you know, be open to signs and synchronicities. If you know a book really pops out at you or a course comes by and it's like, what's that? And even if it's not something that you would normally uh, take a look at, just trust the signs and synchronicities and be open to, to exploring different uh, modalities and different things uh, to help you because it could be the key that unlocks the door to your next step, you know, to really um, unravel those insecurities and become more confident with yourself. Excellent. Follow your nose. Follow that nose, which is your solar plexus. Did I not just say that? You did say that. that. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Um, Well, cool. I so value your time and your wisdom, and thank you for sharing honestly about your own journey. Uh, So I'm sure people will find that really, really useful. Where's the best place for people to find you if they want to uh, come check out your work? 
Um, yeah, so I'm very active on Facebook. You can just find me as Melanie Middays. Um, otherwise, you can go to my website, which is um, seedtosoul.com.au. And I'm also very active on Instagram, uh, which is also Melanie Middays. So, yeah, love you to come over and check me out. Excellent. I'll make sure all those <laughs> Say links. Say hello. Yeah, I'll make yeah. sure all those links are in the show notes for people who are interested to find it, Mel. So, leave it there. Thank you again, Mel. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you. It's been awesome. You've been listening to The Insecurity Project. If you're interested in finding out more about dealing with your own insecurity, check out the 30-day online Overcoming Insecurity Bootcamp. It combines high-quality frameworks with one-on-one coaching to help you eradicate the fear of not being